in environments where you have a sense of purpose and you feel like you're contributing and, and you can, and you, not only are you contributing where you're at, but you have a potential to contribute at a higher level and meet the capabilities that you had in the military, hugely important. On today's episode, we have Dave Nordo, and we're going to be talking about veterans and their assimilation into the workforce and how what businesses can do to get better and help veterans enter the workforce which is very challenging in today's world so we take a deep dive into that um, but before we get going on the episode david nordel is a retired u.s air force command chief master sergeant with over 30 years of service dave possesses an expansive and invaluable skill set uh, his academic acumen is clearly evident with the bachelor's in registered nursing, emphasizing emergency medicine, complemented by a master's degree in disaster and emergency management. Rooted in rural Northern California, Dave's upbringing in a dairy farming family instilled in him values of hard work, community, and commitment. Setting out from home at the age of 19, he embarked on an Air Force journey that saw him ascend through the enlisted ranks, ultimately taking on the responsibility as a senior enlisted leader for all nuclear missile forces in the United States. Dave is also the author of international best-selling book, Giving Back, Life and Leadership from the Farm to the Combat Zone, and also his latest book, Beyond and When the Cows Lie Down while people quit you their leader which provides insights into his journey philosophy and mission and under the banner of MaxFab consulting dave offers keynote leadership organizational growth and strategic guidance drawing from his battle with ptsd he remains deeply committed to assisting transitioning veterans and other trauma victims guiding them toward healthier coping mechanisms As an active mentor, Dave's dedication to nurturing young leaders is unwavering, ensuring their holistic development and success. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation that we have with Dave. Well, Dave, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Really looking forward to our uh, conversation uh, today. Hey, you bet, Cameron. Thanks for having me here. Um, you know, from our pre-conversation, I'm kind of excited about this. So yeah, you guys are doing yeah. good work. We're excited as well. So uh, before we get going on our discussion, uh, I'm sure our listeners want to know who you are. So if you can give our listeners a little bit of who uh, Dave is all about. Sure. Hey, I'm I'm Dave Nordell. Uh, currently, I'm owner and founder of Max Fab Consulting. We'll talk a little bit about that in the in the, in the discussion. Uh, uh, just a kid that grew up in a dairy farming community community in Northern California and uh, all the things that come along with growing up on the farm and uh, left home at 19, joined the United States Air Force and in uh, uh, November of 1984 and 30 years, six months and 24 days later, I left uh, and I did a you know full military career. Um, I've been retired for about nine years now. Um, done a few things since I've retired. Uh, you know, my background is in medicine. I started off as a medic, and I'm a, uh, a bachelor's educated uh, uh, emergency room trauma nurse and uh, and graduate level educated uh, emergency and disaster manager. But uh, my passion is still people. My passion is still leading. And so, uh, you know, through MaxFab Consulting and, and a couple of subsidiaries, uh, we 
you know, we work really hard on trying to build the next generation, set people up for success, and also build environments uh, through our Vet Ready program, build environments in uh, civilian non-veteran run companies, uh, help them build environments for veterans to be able to transition into so that we can we can do this reassimilation back into, into um, everyday society in a healthy way that uh, kind of supports our growth. So yeah, lots going on there. And you know, all that uh, all that passion is shaped around my past experiences and then uh, the experiences since I've retired. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, with the background that Travis and I have in aviation, uh, we see that a struggle because we've I've had coworkers that were former military personnel that just got out of the service. And uh, it's it's that transition from that military life to going into the civilian workforce um, can be really difficult. And um, I still think there's a lot that needs to be done in the business world to help help that, help support uh, veterans and those that are exiting the military to be able to um, assimilate into the really into that civilian workplace, that work culture. Um, and it can be challenging for some. And I've seen that at hand where uh, even they they do find a, a job in a business. It's very different to assimilate, especially when you're uh, more so in the culture, I would say. Yeah, um, correct. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to steal this soundbite. I'm going to put your picture next to it. I'm going to play it with every every company that I talk to that that is entertaining whether or not that they need to to uh, kind of you know take our programs and become vet ready. You know, become ready to take on veterans and and do what comes after. Thank you for your service because yeah. you're right. And you know, and the reassimilation for us is uh, is is the cornerstones of that are the camaraderie and the teamwork that we left. Um, the trust and the alignment with values and the demonstration of those values. So values misalignment can can cause problems. And then this sense of purpose. And it's hard for people to understand that unless they sit down with veterans. But it's it's really easy to understand your purpose when your day starts off with a flag raising, a uniform that you put on, and a mission in front of you. Mm -hmm. and, and not every institution that you walk into is it that obvious and that tangible and that easy to get your hands around. And so... Um, uh, having environments where you have a sense of purpose and you feel like you're contributing and, and you can, and you not only are you contributing where you're at, but you have a potential to contribute at a higher level and meet the capabilities that you had in the military, hugely important. So good on you for recognizing that. Cause I do think there's a huge void. Yeah. But I also think, uh, there's, there's not that good of an understanding from civilians as well. And I know we have some questions to go through here, but, um, there's not a really good understanding of civilians of the things that uh, or the background and the values that military personnel have, because I recall uh, one of my first managers, his name was uh, his name is Kenny, and he was an officer in the Navy. And I didn't really understand, like, why he had such a rigid, like, leadership style and why he was so just like you to the point very concise, very, you know, had to have things in a certain order. And I didn't realize he had this military background. And then it all made sense that because he was an officer uh, and a in a leadership role in the Navy, a lot of that, the values that he learned and the, his leadership style carried over. And a lot of people didn't, didn't really understand why he was like that. And um, so it was, it was very interesting to, to under like, really understand okay he's like that because he came from that background so let me ask you a question 
Yeah. Once you once you understood that, did you appreciate his leadership? Yes, a little bit more because I understood I the root of it. Right. Yeah. What did you appreciate about his leadership that's different than other leadership you've had in the past? Um, I liked his leadership style that he was very firm. When it, I liked his firmness, I liked that he was always fair and he saw things from both sides of the story. He never picked sides. He was always, he was probably the most fair leader that I've been uh, led by. And um, even though, um, yeah, he would always see things from all and he was i really liked the the way he he led just the people and the way he just his presence in the work environment right that is so i'm so glad that i'm so glad to reverse engineer this for a change because because sometimes i wonder if i don't resonate with people because it's hard to get your mind around right because it's different yeah. so i yeah i so appreciate you doing that because you're right and the intent is with heart and human and everybody's an individual, but yet we're a team and the team succeeds together, but you have to take care of each piece of the team and you have to be able to identify with that. And it's amazing how much people want standards and they want everybody to be held to the same standard, which is rigid or discipline, whatever word you want to put around it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of leaders, non-military leaders, think the opposite think that they have to be squishy and move things around and they lose respect, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you put a veteran in, a, in an organization where one day Billy can't do, Billy can't go on, he can't take personal time off because he only has five hours and he wants six. And the next day, Jane gets to take 10 hours off and she's she only has one. And the, for us, that blows our mind. I mean, that is just, that is one of those things where you go, okay, I'm going to probably have to start looking for another place to work. Mm -hmm. That is what Banks Fab's Vet Ready program is built around, is to close that gap that you apparently at some level have closed, either from previous experience with a military supervisor, or the fact that you may have just had some really critical conversations with some military folks. Mm -hmm. and And so good for you. Because that's the level of maturity that we want in civilian organizations. Because quite frankly, Cameron, we do more for our incarcerated people when they get out of prison than we do for veterans. And it is the same exact phenomenon. When you're institutionalized and you leave an institution and you go to a different culture and a different environment, and this is the veteran experience, you have to have a way to land. Well, what do we do for prisoners? We give them a parole officer. We put them in pre-release. Sometimes we put an ankle bracelet on them. Somebody's checking on you. Or they, do we help you find a job, stick a little money in your pocket, right? Mm -hmm. Veterans, We the United States of America creates 1,300 veterans a day and their families. That's about 5,000 people. Every day, they come back into the civilian society uh -huh. with, with what you just described. And very, very few organizations, small, you know, private, you know, small business owners all the way to the to the you know the exons of the world yeah all the way to that very very few have a cultural space and environment that helps the veteran reassimilate but boy we can do people with disabilities and we can do even even you know people that have been incarcerated or had you know a little bit of down on their luck in life we figure that out but for some reason we haven't taken this one on and you know for all the thank you for your services if i can get employers that are responsible for people in their environment and their health and well-being to take this one on i'll trade them all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So can you share some insights on, I know we've already touched on this a little bit. Can you share some insights on why it's important for businesses to support that transition of former military personnel into the, what I would call and characterize as a civilian workforce? Sure. So the value prop now, everything I gave you is heartfelt, right? That's yeah. heartstrings things, right? We want to do right by our veterans because we love them. And so I'm going to do this mm -hmm. uh, to be realistic and honest with ourselves. There has to be a value proposition in there, right? The, the whiff them, right? What's in it for me you know, as a company. So I'll give you some statistics. Within the first year, 43 out of every 100 veterans are going to quit their job. If the culture that they're in, they do last past a year, that number goes up to about 80%. When you lose one FTE, if somebody with all the qualifications that veterans come from and you haven't mined it because your environment is off, every one of those people that you lose, it costs you between 30 and 50% of the full year FTE for that person. That's so let's so just use the mean. So if your company on the mean pays employees fifty thousand dollars a year, and we'll just you will do the easy math, and it costs you twenty five thousand dollars to replace them, right? And I could tell you that if you come and see Dave, and I come and and work on your culture, that I can take ten people and extend their employment up to at least five years in their company by creating an environment, you get the return on your investment almost in the first six months and you're making money and you're taking pressure off the HR staff, which in turn creates this environment. And when veterans can reassimilate properly, guess what starts to decrease? Veteran mental health needs, veteran substance abuse, veteran suicide. We lose 44 a day to suicide. And I would say that that number may be higher. And these things are directly attributed to this loss of sense of purpose and this need for camaraderie and the structure that we've had. And, you know, it's endemic in our, in our nation and in, in Montana, we're number one or number two in veteran suicide. It's endemic in our nation and everything that we've ever struggled with in the United States of America has always been solved uh, in its most um, expedient and, 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 uh, and uh, long lasting way through public private partnership. And all this is, is a public-private partnership to build the same bridges using examples like I did with incarcerated people, just to build those bridges so that when veterans walk across, they can actually identify employers that are veteran-ready and trained in the veteran culture and understand the nuances so that you're even able to speak up as a veteran, express how you're feeling, and they understand the fact that they, they, they should have an expectation that that may happen, and they understand how to reshape the environment so that you feel... Uh, welcome and you want to stay uh, and values is huge you know this values alignment thing is is huge and so yeah there's there is I, you know i could i can draw a thousand lines to wherever an employer wants to go tell me how i get a financial benefit tell me how i get um tell me how i can uh, grow my company and my company can get bigger tell me how i can uh, leverage veteran intellectual capital to get into um, strategic management, crisis management, um, uh, working on uh, working on problem solving at a level that uh, eliminates all these crazy makers that we've had. Because mm. if you take a problem, you have let's just use round numbers. You have ten veterans. You put them all in a room. None of them know each other. They just know they're veterans. And you give them ninety minutes. So thirty minutes to organize and sixty minutes to work. And you give them one problem, one problem in your company. Make it the hardest problem, whatever it is. And, it, and you throw it down there, you give them a little bit of information, a little bit of background, and you say, 
you got 90 minutes to work on this. In 30 minutes, they will have picked a leader, they will have formed a structure, they will have mapped out the problem, and at, at the 90-minute point, they will have probably five viable solutions to the problem. One will be the most ridiculous thing you ever heard of. That's only for entertainment to get a giggle. And the other four are all actionable. Out of those, two of those might not be possible because they didn't have the right data. Something within the organization keeps you from doing that. But you have two actionable things that you can actually start on that day to solve that problem. That's how veterans work. And why would you not cut that time out and, and use veterans that way? But as a friend of mine that was, he's a banker, he's working with a multimillionaire. They were talking about veteran workforce. And he asked the multimillionaire, did he see veterans as high functioning? And the multimillionaire said no. And the reason is, is because we've consumed the wrong thing about veterans. If we consume what's on television and movies and, 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 uh, um, the, uh, what am I looking for? The, you know, the miniseries and those kind of things. We see veterans now as people that get out of helicopters, kick indoors, find bad guys and do that kind of stuff. If you looked at what it took to get to that point, you would say that guy should be the CEO of my company or the CFO of my company or the COO of my company or my, you know, my director of human resources. You would say those things, but we don't see that when we get a veteran resume. We see worker bees. We see doers, tactical people. And mm. none of it. And you know, you start getting leadership training, uh, growth and development, deliberate growth and development from the day you walk on the service. So if you did four years or 40 years, you're coming out with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's uh, dive deeper into that. I like to, sure. yeah, I know you mentioned a few of those uh, qualities already, but really what are those unique skills and qualities that, that military veterans bring to the table in the, this professional world that may not be uh, at first really apparent. Right. Um, Critical thinking, asymmet the ability to operate mentally in an asymmetrical way, which means looking at problems and looking at uh, at issues, just like your Navy guy that you described, right? You said he always saw both sides. Mm -hmm. It was probably, he should probably saw all six sides sometimes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you need to look at things asymmetrically. You know, it's, it's like, could you imagine if a golfer only stood behind a ball and putted? He would miss. Yeah. They walk all around the green. Sometimes they walk off of the green and go stand on the edge of the lake and look on how to hit the putt, right? And they take the time to do that. Veterans do that with everything in your company. They are fiscally responsible. They hold timelines and they hold themselves accountable at a level that we wish we had probably had in all of our employees because they are just almost, you know, fire and forget people. You just, you know, they just, they just, they show up and they do things. Um, to the point where it's almost annoying. You know, they show up too early for work, they leave too late for work, and 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 people look at that as an annoyance. And it's not like we're trying to take your jobs. It's just we're doing what comes natural, and we don't hold it against you. You know, we don't. You know, for the most part, you know, we don't. Uh, you know, we don't say, well, you know, they're lazy or they don't know what they're doing. But that's kind of the way we're we're shaped. So if you need that extra effort and input, you're going to get it just naturally because we're loyalists. Uh, and we're courageous and and we move forward on things. We try to get to yes. Uh, we don't look for reasons not to do things. We look for reasons. Uh, we look for ways to get things done in a moral, legal and ethical manner uh, that's uh, integral and we're values based. And that's a huge thing. And we actually care about whether or not the company's making money or, or we have waste. Mm -hmm. And veterans are huge about that because we're trained that way. People would say the Department of Defense is wasteful, but not the everyday soldier, sailor, airman, marine, guard, uh, you know, 
um, uh, guardian. It's it's uh, it's inherent to us to look at things and say, you know, you only need three of those to do that, so let's use three, and we do it. Yeah. So how can what would you recommend that business owners and managers? Um, how can they identify roles within the organizations that align? with the skills and experiences of former military members. So there's somebody that does this work and her and I are actually working together. And it's just a great synergy. Um, her name's Jan Barlow. Um, she may not be the only one that's doing it, but she's the one that's been doing it for the longest time and has engaged with the Department of Defense on this. And her company's named uh, uh, Better Job Fit. And what she does is she takes aptitudes. So say I was working, I was an army guy and I was on a tank crew, you know, a, a tank crew. And I write my resume that way. You're going to look at that and go, I don't know how to interpret this. And, you know, you may tell that person, you know, I've got a custodial job for you because, you know, I don't know how to do this. She can take what that person's done in their military career to include their, their leadership training and all that. She's got um, programmatics that uh, that identify the aptitudes of that person. So the guy tells you he's on a tank crew, but his aptitude might be that he needs to be the you know the director of, of, of an area in HR or the you know an operations person you know at a at a at a directorship or a, a manager level entry point. And so we can actually take all of that apart, simplify that for you in your HR environment. You. You might have a veteran that's applying for this job, look at their aptitude and go, holy cow, we've been trying to hire four people in this area and yeah. shift them over there. And guess what? They automatically have a sense of purpose. They're aligned properly. So they're not struggling with things and whatever they're working on is going to get better. And so it's all out there, you know, and we're, and we're, we're putting this thing together. And quite frankly, I think the synergies are built in places like chambers of commerce and, and, you know, civilian leaders, in the community that will step up, become vet ready and compel their contemporaries and peers to get vet ready also, because then it makes a vet ready community. And I've never seen a community suffer that has, that, that, um, that has a uh, high population of veterans that have the right environment. Mm -hmm. I think an, another element that you mentioned earlier is the, uh, you mentioned uh, suicide amongst veterans is uh, increasing at a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think also businesses uh, also need to create those environments where uh, they're sensitive to mental health and the needs of and the needs of veterans. Um, so how can businesses really create this environment where um, where they are being sensitive to the needs of veterans and their mental health, uh, particularly mm -hmm. those that are that have um, that or maybe dealing with PTSD or, or other related challenges? I, I'm the owner of PTSD and moral injury. I, I, you know, I have it. Uh, it's me. Uh, it's not going away. I manage it very well. I'm pretty proud of myself where I'm at. I, I say that I've been through the wash, rinse, spin, dry, fold cycle of all of this. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of on the other end where I can help. But let me give you, let me give you a couple examples, Cameron. If I come to you and you really want me to work for you and yeah. I say, and I say, I can do everything that you need me to do, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to leave work at 3.30. Say your day ends at 5. I mm -hmm. have to leave work at 3.30 because I have to pick up my child because my husband works three cities over and he can't get back. And I have to pick up my child from daycare or it's not going to work out. 
if you truly want the person working for you, you make, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. So a couple things, you've got to have enough trust with a veteran that they'll declare that they actually have mental health needs and that uh, there's some sort of cycle to that. Right. So those of us that have therapists need to go to therapy. Can you imagine what you do for the veteran when you say, I understand you have therapy every Thursday. Um, it's at two o'clock. Uh, we'll see you, you know, leave it, leave it one, you know, leave it one thirty. come back at, at three 30, your, your lunch hours in there, your therapy hours in there. That's on us. We know we'll get it back in, in some way, shape or other form. And you've done that. Mm-hmm. When I, my first job after I retired, I managed um, a district of, of restaurants and one of the busiest stores that we had, our best employee at lunchtime uh, was on parole. And the parole officer would call me and say, he's got to go down and do a urine test right in the middle of lunch. And I would say, I'd say, but it's the middle of lunch. And he goes, that's why I called you at this time. And I would have to let him go. And lunch would always end up being a disaster, right? Worse, harder and, and, and not, as, not as good. And I thought, I have to let that guy go. Yeah. How many employers out there will do the same thing for a veteran because they say, this is, I have this thing in my life that's this important to me to, um, to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, and I don't want to do it at five 30 and I don't want to do it at six 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they just make the space. It's a keeper. I, I tell you, if you're paying them $25 an hour, that is the best $25 you'll ever spend letting them go do that. Yeah. That's, and that's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's just one example. Yeah. And I think also um, organizations now are are being a little bit more sensitive to mental health and actually us in some of their medical benefits or some of their uh, like uh, employee assistance programs, they are providing uh, resources now that oh, we'll pay for your if you want to mm-hmm. go see a therapy uh, or therapist or get counseling like the, the companies are willing to pay for them. So like sure. even just with the more of that awareness in today's world, it, it's great to see that um, people are getting the the help that they need. Even the company that I was with most recently, uh, you know, with that health savings account, the HSA, mm-hmm. uh, you're able to use that for uh, counseling and getting sure. help and support and in whatever area that you might need help in. Sure. No, I think yeah. I I think that you know those those type of measures are important. And quite frankly, to be a vet ready organization you should have some of those tenants uh in in your institution yeah you need to you need to make the space for that and and you have to have the you know the conversation out loud you know we get really rigid in our hr processes and and some of the things that i work on is is with hr and policies and there is a way to navigate around things like hipaa and privacy and those type of things to get the data you need to shape the environment that you need that uh would is it's just amazing and and especially with our workforce today, post COVID, things are kind of scrambled. Uh, yeah. Employers are really looking for high quality people. Why would you not want to compete for the veteran pool? And why would you not want to be the the, the employer of choice? Because you've actually spent the time to learn it, and then you've built the environment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, before we move forward, I wanted to pause for a bit. Um, I know people are wondering, like, what type of work do you do? So, if you can. Uh, Dave, if you can uh, provide some insights on the work that you do with MaxFab and also sure. uh, maybe talk a lot, a little bit about some of your books that you have. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, no, that's good. That's good. It's, um, 
I'll give you the title of the books. So I'll tell you a little bit, and then we can talk about whatever, wherever you want to go. Uh, first book is um, Giving Back Life and Leadership from the Farm to the Combat Zone and Beyond. And that book is written, uh, it's a lot of stories about farm stories that directly relate to either my military time or my or a situation in leadership. Uh, it's not a tell you how book. It doesn't have a checklist in it. There's no 12 whys, seven hows, or 19 habits. There's none of that in there. Uh, but what it is, is it's a regrounding and, a, and an introspective look uh, to, to not only through my eyes, see some things that I've been through and, and some mantras that I try to live by, but uh, to prompt you to be introspective and, and stay and stay grounded. So uh, that's uh, that book was a lot of fun to write. It started it started me down my journey of transparency to talk about things that I probably haven't in a long time. And then the second book, which is When the Cows Lie Down, Why People Quit You, the Leader or, or Their Leader, uh, is about the subtleties in life, the signs in life that you are missing. Uh, probably because of your speed limit and why people quit. Good quitting, bad quitting, and quitting when you don't have a choice. And uh, and and more introspection there. And, and I'm a storyteller, so the, the chapters are written in, in story format, but a lot of people use them as a workbook because I try to keep the chapters. I wrote the book with the person in mind that wants to read when they go to bed, but they're always kind of tired. And you know, when we pick up a book, we want to get to the end of something, right? You want to get mm -hmm. to the end of the chapter and then put the bookmark in. You don't want to be in the middle of a page. And so you can consume at least one chapter before you fall asleep and, and yeah. have something to think about. So those are, those are a lot of fun. What do we do at MaxFab? Uh, here's the two passions that drive everything at MaxFab. There's branches that go off of this into the mental health world and those types of things. Uh, statistically, in our country, people start leading other people, which might be the most important thing you do in your life, no matter what your background is, your education. Because when you're when you're a human taking care of humans, that's a probably that's a big job. And the most unqualified job we'll ever have is being a parent, because we don't know how to do it. And we're probably too young to do it. But we start at, in our 20s and away we go on average. Most people start leading other people at the age of 30. By the time they're 39, they're leading people that are leading people. So in manager, director, right? Those are just two, two baseline things. By the time they're 42 is when somebody invests in their first formal leadership experience, leadership training experience. So you have this 12-year gap of wandering around without any foundation. And who knows what you've screwed up, who you've screwed up, you know, and what bad habits you've formed over that time. So passion number one is, especially in our communities, is to close that gap and really start in that in that in that area, and work all the way through the continuum to bring quality, um, really some one hundred level and some seven hundred level leadership experiences to people, so that they have some tools moving forward, not only to help them but to help the people that they're leading. So that's that's taking care of the future, right? That's just uh, as we go as a country. The other passion is this veteran transition thing with vet ready. Um, but, but you can almost take the vet off and say ready. And, and really what ready is, is about, we scratch our heads and we want to do these postmortems on high turnover rates or aberrancies in our workforce or mental health issues or, um, you know, toxic environments. And really, as I said earlier, you know, we're products of our genetics and our environment. So, the ready piece of this, the vet ready piece of this is really getting people to add into their portfolio of um, superpowers 
the ability as a leader and an owner and an entrepreneur and somebody who really cares, the ability to keep in the forefront of your strategy environment. And it needs to be inclusive. It's got to be, everybody's got to feel like they belong in that environment. And that may sound hard, but it's really not. Because I haven't, I haven't walked into a company of any substance that doesn't have values on the wall. And they want to show them to you. Let me tell you how a veteran looks at that. They read the values on the wall. If they identify with them, they give you a thumbs up and they go to work. And as soon as somebody is violating those values, especially time and time again, we look at that as it's BS, right? It's just words on a wall. Mm. We're looking for the three-dimensional application of the values. And I think most people are like that. You don't have to be a veteran to be like that. We all come with our set of ethics and values and those type of things. And we align with um, with the institutions that um, we work in. We align with, you know, they do this and I love that. So therefore I stay and I'm, I'm loyal and I'm a productive, engaged employee. And so that's, so that's not that hard to do. So hire people that are aligned with your values, demonstrate the values that, uh, that you, that you have chosen and all, all automatically you've created a non-toxic environment that's trustworthy. Um, so that's what we do. We, all we do is we freshen that up. Uh, we show people how to, uh, you know, from the human resources department all the way to the frontline supervision in conjunction with what I talked to you about with the art of leadership. Uh, you form that, you give them the tools, and then we hang around. We don't take a, we don't, you know, we don't say, you know, write me a check and, you know, good luck and I hope you're environment. We hang around for free for 12 months. So from the time we leave, we're on a short leash to come back and to, um, uh, to reconsult, remitigate, reshape the environment in places where you have problems, and we collect the data and we make sure we're successful. And because culture, culture and environment are not a thing that you just wake up and turn the thermostat on the wall and you know you go from sixty to seventy-five. It doesn't work like that. You got to learn how to how to get the temperature comfortable for everybody. Yeah, I like that you stay in touch with the organization or group that you're working with for the it's, next twelve months because you're right. Because a lot of a lot of companies that are in our in this like common space that we're in really don't do that they kind of just do the engagement and they're done yeah and that's yeah. And that's not and that's not what we do we yeah. we want we want we want a record of of statistically proven success and improvement uh you know month over month year over year where you can draw that back to to improvement and success and in, in whatever company you're in yeah. So how can uh, people connect with your company and the work that you do? So it's www.maxfabconsulting.com. So www.maxfabconsulting.com. And it's all there. So you can you can get a crack at the books uh, if you want. Uh, you can do a free consult. You can jump on there and uh, and contact me and, and uh, up to an hour. And we can have this conversation and you can kind of lay down maybe what your concerns are and and uh, and we can talk through it. See if there's something that we can do for you. Uh, I blog. Um, I have a uh, I have a uh, podcast of my own that I just started called the Kangaroo Leadership Podcast, predicated on the fact that kangaroos can only move forward physically, and so they have to demonstrate some pretty incredible leadership skills to be able to manage a life where you don't have any other options but to go forward, which uh, it's uh, they're fairly admirable. So. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of a whole a whole potpourri there. My newsletters there, my blogs are there, and uh, you can easily get a hold of me on the website. 
Yeah, it's exciting. Um, well, sounds good. And for those listening on uh, the podcast, uh, listening to this episode, um, the link to connect with uh, Max Fab is in the will be in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on. So you can uh, connect with uh, Dave and all the work that he's doing with uh, Max Fab. So I've got uh, one more. Uh, let's go back to kind of the conversation. Uh, so what are some kind of one, what are some key takeaways that you would like to leave our listeners regarding the role of businesses in helping former military personnel really transition to civilian uh, careers and uh the, the workforce so i have a philosophy about the, a 25-yard gap i won't get too deep into it it's a keynote speech that i do and it's it's predicated on the distance of a military barracks yeah and and i happen to be a leader in my barracks in basic training i was appointed a student leader which is a dynamic thing and i have i was responsible for 12 people and I will tell you that all 12 people did not come from a dairy farm in Northern California. They came from all over the place. They looked different. They, their values were different. Their upbringings were different. And it would have been completely impossible for me to lead Airman Bradley, who was the 12th person in line. He was the last one at the 25th yard. It would have been impossible for me to lead Airman Bradley appropriately if I didn't walk those 25 yards. Because in there's a lot, there's a lot of fear in those 25 yards because you don't know what you're going to find out and you don't even know if you're going to agree with the person or, or that you're going to have the aptitude to compel the person to follow you and the only way that you can do that is through listening so i in my book i write learn to listen and listen to learn mm. and you have to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations so when i talk to you about creating an environment uh for veterans that addresses uh PTSD, the need for the, you know, the need for uh, um, uh, purpose, uh, camaraderie and those type of things. As an employer, that might make you uncomfortable. In fact, it might even give you a little bit of fear. And what I ask them to do is instead of using that as an excuse not to do it or coming up with excuses not to do it because there's a level of fear of wading into this unknown area, the unknown, unknown area for both people, the veteran and the employer, the unknown, unknown area is the growth area. It's not the scary place that's going to drag you down. It's the place that we all start to grow together. So I would ask employers that truly, because I think most value having veterans on their staffs and, and in their companies, that truly value that and, and maybe have some gaps, I would ask them to set the fear aside, move the 25 yards, let's have the conversation, let's make ourselves better through listening, Let's make the institution better through through how we shape the environment and then move forward together. And I think, you know, I don't I don't think I know that on the back end of that is a celebration and a I am so glad. What if we had not done this kind of thing? You know, we all do that in life with things that we probably worked our tails off on. You go, wow, we started here. Do you remember when this happened and that happened? And and, and that's what this phenomenon is. So, yeah, for employers out there that are listening, going. You know, I don't know if I can do this or that, gosh, that sounds hard. Or maybe I heard something similar or somebody showed up and and we paid, you know, $50,000 and we had a consultant come in and all is a book. You know, he gave us a book this thick and now it sits on the shelf and we do nothing with it. That's not what this is. And, I, you know, I, I challenge you to wade into the unknown unknown. It's a good space. It'll make you better. It will save lives. It will literally save 
veterans' lives by giving them a place that they feel comfortable, at least for one third of their day. We spend about over one third of our lives at work. So why not make that awesome? Yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad we're talking about this. And I know it's it's a little bit different from what we normally talk about, but this is a topic that needs to be at the forefront, it needs to be at the forefront of businesses in all industries, all levels, big and small. And uh, I'm glad that you're doing the work. You're I'm glad that you're you're in the space and helping helping people in helping businesses, HR, whatever that might be, uh, bring awareness to this. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to get, we, you know, we, we want to get past, uh, I love what you're doing and we want to get to, I want to do what you're telling us. And, yep. and we're right there, right? We're yep. right there. And we've got some people that are, that are walking into the space and I've got you, you know, we've got you. Max Fab has you, uh, and we're not going to let you, we're not going to put you in a, in a disaster situation. And if it gets hard, we're there to help. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Well, I've got some fun questions uh, as we kind of wrap up here to uh, have our listeners get to know you a little bit. So uh, what what type of content are you reading these days? And do you have any uh, recommended reads? Oh, wow. I'm reading a book called We've All Done It, okay. uh, which which is written by Kimberly J. Benoit. And uh, we've kind of gotten to be friends. And she has taken her corporate experience and put it into a really easy to read book about... Um, toxic work environments and toxic relationships and the fact that we've all contributed to one in one way, shape or form. And she doesn't let anybody off the hook. And I think it's an absolutely um, fabulous book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the other one that's actually sitting by my chair that I'm almost done with is called shattered reflections. And it's written by Dallas Knight. And she is a um, female uh, combat veteran from the Iraq war in 2003. And she actually published her, uh, her diary or her journal she in, in total um about her uh, about her travels um through her military time especially in a combat zone uh from a female perspective and uh if nothing else for a guy like me even though i have a, a, a lot of military time and have been to combat uh with men and women uh it helps me um to stay grounded and empathetic in an area that um, i can't fully understand because i'm not female and i didn't go through those experiences so pretty powerful stuff mm-hmm. uh dead or alive who would you like to have lunch with roberto clemente i think uh i think you know uh we we attached to sports stars quite a bit and um if you looked if if the camera was wider there's a there's a painting of roberto um to my back right here uh um uh, solid human being uh totally unselfish uh family man um uh, uh you know a man of uh man of christ and he uh uh, he exemplified um, how we should all act when we have um, good fortune in our lives and, and how to share that. And, and if you know anything about Roberto Clemente, you know, he was he had his 3000th hit on his last at bat in the major leagues and was doing humanitarian work uh, flying down south to his um, to his native country to uh, to deliver um, relief aid in a plane crashed and killed him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to live it um from uh from starting and from sheer poverty all the way to being extremely fortunate uh he's a great example awesome and then final question what's next on the bucket list for dave Ooh, uh go to antarctica yeah. be the last it'll be my last continent and mm-hmm. uh after traveling and i think that uh, uh those type of experiences um just 
continue to shape shape you. And the wife and I went to Borneo and lived in the jungles with the orangutans and the monkeys last year for a couple of weeks. And uh, oh, nice. uh, it was yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty yeah. enlightening. Yeah, there's 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 things in the world that you can only see where we were at, and mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty special to to be able to share at least a small part of my life with that. So. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for your time and being on the podcast. Really enjoyed this. And I really hope uh, those listening out there really, I know this was a different topic, but so much needed to be put at the forefront. Yeah, you guys are great. I love the the pre-conversation the pre and stuff. And, yeah. and I thank you for hosting me. And uh, you just keep doing the good things and, and we'll keep an eye on you. Thank you. And yeah. uh, for those that want to connect with David, Max Fab Consulting, the website is in the podcast description. And uh, definitely get a copy of uh, his latest book. What was it? When the cows or why? When the cows lie down. When the cows lie down. Yeah. Why? Why people quit you, their leader? Yep, for sure. Well, thank you, David. You bet. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Dave Nordell. If you want to connect with him, you can find out the link to his books and his website maxfab consulting at the podcast description and all the links are there to find out more about the work that he does and you can all follow also follow him on social media and also if you want to connect with our group tc advisory group we offer a complement of leadership training and of coaching and development at all levels of the organization whether it's for your team department organization or on an individual level we offer a variety of services and if you want to find out more you can go to tcadvisorygroup.com or you can send us an email info at tcadvisorygroup.com and also if you want to check out the link in the podcast description and you can book a discovery call with us to find out more about how we can help you in the area of leadership well, thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to give us a follow on social media and subscribe to the podcast so you can receive a notification when the next episode goes live. Thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.